Welcome to the Healing the City podcast. My name is Eric Siepen. The following audio is from the Living Room Talks. The Living Room Talks are an annual event at the Village Church, showcasing speakers on topics which they have a level of expertise. Speakers are chosen from the Village Church community and are given 20 to 30 minutes to present on a topic that offers practical wisdom for life. In this episode, John Rowe speaks about one gamer's journey at the birth of esports. Okay, hi guys. Uh, I'm here to talk about what life as a professional gamer was like for me. I have a short clip that I'm going to show you. This is a kid who had just won three million dollars playing a video game. Okay. I was a regular 16-year-old kid. I was kind of like a nobody. I was at the very bottom and I had to work my way to the top. Winning has changed my life drastically. I want to be you so bad, dude. I'm really, I'm so jealous. I know you're still basking in the glow, but what do you do with this? You're you're famous now, you got some money in your pocket. A lot of other people look at me differently now, which is kind of overwhelming. But I still feel the same inside. It's crazy to think that he was able to win $3 million. He was competing against 100 of the best players in the world. Life for him has changed whether he wanted to or not. The dreams I had were to be playing video games as a job. I'm just going to take advantage of this and make as many opportunities as I can. All right, I'm live. Hey. So that is what eSports has become. This was not my experience when I first started playing. This was back in 2007 when YouTube had just start, started getting um, popular. There was no streaming services uh, for gaming. So a lot of people talk about negative aspects of gaming when they, when they speak about gaming. I hear often that we don't want our kids to become addicted. We, we want to keep them away from the violence. Um, and that, and that may be true in some cases, uh, that, that wasn't my experience, um, through gaming. So this is baby John. Uh, as you can see, I have about the same amount of hair as I did back then as I do now. Um, I loved gaming as a kid. I would sit on my dad's lap and watch him play Zelda for hours on end. I had a big map of the world of Zelda that I would plot out my routes, and I would run to my dad and say, here, this is where we're going today. And he would, he would get really excited, and we'd all, we'd all get together and play Zelda together. Not long after that, uh, I was able to hold a controller myself. This is me playing a, a Game Boy. And I used gaming as a way to bond with my friends, my family. We would all get together and play video games and just have so much fun. 
I was also doing sports. I played baseball. I was doing well in school. It was just another thing that I had to get people together and to connect with my friends and family. So fast forward, I'm a freshman in college at Arizona State University. I'm studying mechanical engineering. And in my free time, I'm playing a game called Halo 3. I wasn't really into the drinking and party scene, so this was a way for me to kind of unwind from the day and have fun. And Halo 3 at the time was uh, the most popular game being played. So it was a big deal. Not long after that, I'm playing online and I get matched. Uh, when you play online, you can get matched with anyone from around the world. And I get matched with someone from just down the block from me, uh, a guy named Jeff. And he invites me to a LAN party. And for those of you don't, who don't know what a LAN party is, it's a local area network party where people bring their gaming consoles in person and you all meet up and you connect to a switch and you're able to play with each other in person rather than through the internet. You don't need the internet. So I go to this LAN party and I'm just at home. These are my people. I've found my place. There's, there's tons and tons of guys and girls just playing Halo, uh, screaming call outs and playing super competitively at a high level. This, this game that I had been playing for fun in my free time. So it didn't take long for me to kind of join their group and become really close friends with these guys who I had been playing with at these LAN parties. Not long after that, we had heard about this tournament coming up in San Diego, a major league gaming tournament. And at the time, major league gaming was the only legitimate gaming league um, around, really. Uh, so this was a big deal. This is where all the best teams come together and compete at the highest level to see who's the best in the world. And naturally, that's where I needed to go because I'm super competitive and I needed to be where the best were. So we pack up our things. We, we load our Xbox, our monitor, our headphones, our controller, and our luggage and pack in a few pairs of clean underwear and if you looked at my luggage, it looked like someone had just ransacked a Best Buy. Uh, so we take this road trip to San Diego, me and my friends, and we get to a big hotel with this crazy setup. It's it just imagine the biggest land party that you can imagine, uh, a land party on a massive scale. And MLG has just taken over this place that we're at. It's at a hotel and they had rented the biggest convention center nearby. And there's MLG signs everywhere. Other people staying at the hotel are asking us, you know, what we're doing here, and we're telling them that we're competing in a video game, and we get a lot of blank stares and empty, yeah, and, uh, just funny responses from people saying that we're, we're here to compete in a video game. So what I noticed while I was there was the community around gaming. I saw people coming together and sharing a common interest. I saw in, in 
our hotel room, there would often be times, this was very typical at major league gaming tournaments, there would be maybe eight, ten people staying in your hotel room, just people sleeping on the, on the floor, kids sleeping in the bathtub, just so they could play this video game. They didn't necessarily have enough money to pay for a room on their own, but people would invite them into their hotel room so that they could play. So we placed... We, we play in this tournament, and we place in the top 32 of teams, which in MLG standards, that's considered semi-professional. If you place in the top 16 of teams, that's considered a professional. So we do, we're feeling pretty good. We're placing in the top 32 of 240 teams that came, and the teams consisted of four players each. We're feeling pretty good after this, and we're looking at the next event, which is MLG Orlando. A little different in that we couldn't just drive to Orlando. It was all the way across the country. We had to figure out other logistics. We had to figure out our flight. We had to get a we had to get a room for our team. So this this whole time in between MLG San Diego and MLG Orlando, I'm scrounging together any money that I can to afford a flight to go to this next event. I'm hooked, basically. <laughs> I'm in my in the world, younger John would love this this competition, playing with the best in the world at the highest level possible. So this is very typical for esports, um, for there to be uh, changes in between events. If you don't place first, you're kind of looking to make adjustments to your team or uh, go over different strategies to make you place better in the next event. And that's exactly what we did. We, we ended up dropping two of our teammates and replacing them with people we had been playing online who we thought at the time were higher skilled. And looking back, uh, I, I wasn't concerned with people's feelings. I was just concerned with how am I going to place the best at the next event. So... When, when looking back, I could see how people would get hurt feelings from being dropped from a team. But this is kind of one of the lessons I learned along the way is that um, it's not about uh, the competition. It's about the connection with your friends. And I'll get to that later. Um, so in between these events, we're, we're making these team changes. We're practicing. We're going over callouts, and a callout is uh, anything. Uh, imagine like a world, a map, and you're you're naming things along that map so that you can communicate better with your teammates. Um, and we're going over strategies. There's different strategies for every game type. Um, we're we're practicing all night in scrimmages. We're we're staying up late. Uh, just getting in as much hours as we can all, all together. So we get to Orlando and we place in the top 24, which is slightly better than our last placing, but still in the, the semi-professional ranking. Along the way, after Orlando, uh, was this in-between time, these team transitions, these placing better at every single event, and eventually I break into the top 16. I am a professional Halo player. I am where I want to be. 
And these are all the places that I went throughout the country on my journey. I went to Nashville, Columbus, Meadowlands, Anaheim, places I had never, I had never been outside of Arizona before this. So this was quite the experience for a young kid um, just traveling to places I would have never, ever gone before. So eventually I get to MLG Denver where I get my best placing ever, third place, third in the world at the time. That was a good feeling for me. I felt really accomplished. So throughout my journey, I started gaining perspective on gaming. I started seeing what it, what, I started seeing the, the bad sides of gaming. Um, I saw people taking prescription pills that they weren't prescribed so that they could focus on the game better during the competition. I saw trash talking. I saw all of this negative stuff. And I started realizing that, you know, I, I, I have this great bond with my friends that I'm sharing, and I just don't want to necessarily be a part of that side of competitive gaming. So I start playing a little less and less. It was during that time that I entered this tournament here in Arizona, and I had the option to team with a professional team that was coming from all over the country or my friends. And just looking back at my journey, I thought that it, I, I realized that it wasn't about the competition. It was about connecting with my friends. And that's where I had the most fun. I had the most fun in those first few tournaments that I played with my friends. And not necessarily on my best placing at Denver. Uh, I had more fun playing with my friends, even though we didn't place as well. So I chose to team with my friends for this event. And we didn't place as well. We ended up getting beat by this professional team that had come in. But to me, it was a much better experience. It was worth it. I was, I was enjoying this game and having fun, and that's all that mattered. And that's kind of the perspective I, ga I gained through my journey of competitive gaming, is that really gaming is about connecting people, about building relationships with people from all over the world that you would have never had an opportunity to connect with. People, uh, your friends who are across the country who you don't get to see every day, you get to, you can hop online and play with them online. Your family, bringing together your family in one room and, and playing together and seeing everyone's expression when you completely destroy them and seeing, <laughs> <laughs> or you get completely destroyed yourself. Uh, <laughs> so I guess what I encourage you to do is to see gaming in a different light, not necessarily one that is toxic, but one that can bring your friends and your family together. And I wanna, uh, the message I kinda wanna say to you is that healthy gaming is possible. Um, you can set boundaries for your kids, you can set boundaries for yourself to play, and it's just a great opportunity to build more connection, just like anything else. And I'd encourage you to play more games and share those experiences with new people. Thanks.
So Booga won three million dollars. Three million dollars. Um, what was the reward structure like when you were playing Halo Three? So the only reward structure that I that I know of from MLG was only the top eight teams would pay out, and I think first got ten thousand dollars, but split between four players, and this was the elite league at the time. So you can imagine it's come from $10,000 split between four people to a kid winning $3 million. It's just come so far from when I was playing it back in 2008, 2007. And it's really, uh, when you think about the professional gamer, you, you can't talk about a professional gamer without mentioning streaming and entertainment. Um, actually, uh, a guy I used to play Halo with, his name is Ninja. He's probably the most, uh, the he's one of the highest paid athletes in the world, and he's a professional gamer. But he makes most of his money streaming and from his YouTube channel. So he's not necessarily the best at the game. He's just the most entertaining to watch. And kids love watching him play, and... And that's, uh, that's where it's come. So today, when you mention professional gaming, you can't mention professional gaming without streaming and, and these other, other avenues for revenue, in addition to massive prize pools. <laughs> so. John, John can, you, uh, can you explain like, the whole call-out strategy and explain to us how like, a map works and like, what you yeah. guys are doing? Sure, sure. Because that okay. was very fascinating. So in between tournaments, you'd practice with your team. You'd go, there, there was a set of maps that you would play. And these would be different worlds um, that you would go into and play various game types. There was Capture the Flag. There were um, Slayer. There was Objective uh, Oddball, where you had to hold the ball for as long as possible. And so what you would practice was gaining map control. There would be uh, various places on the map that you would have power positions. Say um, there's a staircase. Uh, the player with the height advantage has a better shot at defeating a, an opponent down below because they have this height advantage and they can get the better angle. So it was about map control, and that's what you would go over with your team is gaining map control and gaining communication, call-outs uh, for various places on the map. Every, every part of the map had a call-out, and you would memorize these as a team so that you could communicate better with your teammates through a, through a headset. Um, what else? You would, we would uh, go over gameplay. We would watch our old film from the events we would see what we could improve upon we would we would say okay we see what we did wrong here we're going to do it this way next event um and yeah it was just a lot of a lot of gameplay and a lot of scrimmages just practicing in general Other than um, connection, do you feel like it um, developed in you or honed any specific skills in you playing for that long at, at that level? Definitely. 
Uh, I learned discipline. I learned, I guess, outside of gaming, I learned how to manage my time because I was studying engineering. I was, I had to devote time to studying, and I had to get that done in order so I could, in order to have extra free time to play video games. Um, it's just like anything. When you're competing at a high level, you have to put in a lot of practice and a lot of time. Um, so time management for sure. Um, learning how to how to uh, treat other people. In my early in my journey, I would you know make team transitions, and I wouldn't really pay much attention to how it made my my teammates feel at the time. Um, now I understand it's it's not about what how how well you place. It's about the experience along the journey, and so. I, I treat a lot of people I play with online now when I game, I treat them with kindness and it's not all, there is some competition, there is, still is trash talking, but uh, I know it's just a game and I know the underlying is just to connect and to have that, share that experience. Does it develop hand-eye coordination? Definitely, yes. Um, it's... So I, I take my car to the racetrack um, these days, and I know um, my, my shifting is so much better just from my playing video games. My hand-eye coordination definitely has improved from playing video games. I can, yep. My son plays video games a lot, and um, when he was in the hospital a few years ago um, and very, very sick, not knowing whether he was going to live, all of a sudden all these people were friending me, contact, finding ways to contact me from all around the world, wondering what was wow. happening to him because he wasn't online playing games with him. Do you have those connections all around the world with people you've never met and yes. have influence on? Yes. Um, that's, that's just, I hear this types of stories all, all the time, is that um, just like your son, I would be playing with people who I didn't, I had never met in person before, but I had been playing with them for hours on end and I knew them. Like I, I, I know their story. I heard their voice. I had just never seen them in person. And so that was a really special time when we would go to these MLG events, these major league gaming events, you would finally see this person you had been playing with for hours. You know, a lot about the, you hear stuff going on in the background, their life, their family, you know about their schedule, and you finally get a chance to meet them in person. And it's just, it was the best experience uh, seeing these people. And, and people that you don't get to see, you still have a connection with. People across the country, people in other countries that I would never be talking to someone in, in Europe, uh, but I am through this game, through this shared interest. Um, maybe this seems like an insensitive question, but um, if uh, if the prize on the table had been three million bucks when you were professionally gaming, would that have altered or p potentially altered the outcome of your decision? I mean, oh. I mean, ten thousand versus three hundred bucks. I mean, I could see yeah. trading your relationships instead of ten thousand bucks split for ways, <laughs> but. When you're talking about okay. three million bucks, yeah. you know that totally. that might change things. Do you think it would yeah. have? Oh, the younger John would have been would have yeah made those team changes in a heartbeat to place better for sure, especially for three million dollars. 
Uh, but honestly, at the time, I wasn't even concerned about the prize pool or the money. It was more about the, the accomplishment of being the best. So it, when, you, when Mark asked me that question about the prize pool, I had to think about that. I'm like, did, how much money did I make? I didn't make that, all that much money. <laughs> um, but it was about the knowing that you're one of the best in the world at something. And that's, that's what it was about for me, so. So I'm a, I'm a very casual gamer. I just use gaming as a way of relaxing and, and keeping my brain from like going off the deep end. But I find that when I try to play certain types of games, it's very frustrating because I just don't have the skill set to be able to, to get very far. Like I try to play Borderlands, and I'm like maybe an hour, hour and a half of the game, and I can't really get any further, and I quit. Sure. So I guess my question is like, what what are some tips for a casual gamer to actually increase their skill set to be able to enjoy more of these advanced games? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I would recommend playing with other people, um, uh, learning from other people's mistakes. The internet makes that very easy, and. That's honestly why kids, I think, are watching these gamers play. They're watching people um, that are the best at what they do play these video games, and they're learning from them. And so I would, I would encourage you to uh, look at Twitch and open, open up a, a YouTube video on the game and, and learn from people that have been playing and, and connect with people if you can um, to, to help you along, along your game. I'm just curious about who puts in for the prize pool. Is it people's, you know, mm -hmm. tournament fees or is it like corporate gaming people? Who is it? So when I was competing, Major League Gaming, we would um, pay to enter these tournaments. It was, I think, $120 as a, as a team, a team of four. So that money along with corporate sponsors, there weren't many at the time, but they did pick up along uh, along the way, they did pick up more and more sponsors. I remember Dr. Pepper, um, Ballpark Frank Hot Dogs, uh, just any company that thought, that, that thought they could uh, kind of profit off of this, this market, this gaming market was usually a sponsor. And so that's where a lot of the money came from were these corporate sponsors uh, along with the, the entry fee. Yep. <laughs>